The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. Ladies and gentlemen, you know my first guest tonight as the host of The Price is Right, which is celebrating 50 years on the air. Now let's meet our first guest, Drew Carey. Come on down. You're the first guest on The Late Show. A little nervous, yeah. This is my... You're going to be great. Have a seat, everybody. Thanks, Take care, thanks. everybody. One dollar, Bob. <laughs> Do you have to keep up? Do you have to keep up on the uh, the price of ordinary things in your life? Because people buy no, you know. on the street and I don't they're know. like, I don't "What's know a pint any... of milk?" I don't know. No, people don't ask me. I I don't know anything when I go out. I don't know what games we're playing. They give me a list that they put on my desk in my dressing room, but I never look at it. So I'm just like, you know, they point me to a spot, and I think, oh, we're probably playing this one game, or I yeah. can look behind the thing. But yeah. when the, and it spins around, I know just what we're playing, and it's so easy. Well, so you're enjoying it just like we are from home. I get to work like a half hour before I have to go on stage. Hey, and I mean this, I mean this in all friendship. <laughs> you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I even I hate to tell people. <laughs> So 14 years, what did you think when you got into this gig? What did you think it was going to be? Uh, and what did it turn out? What surprised you about the gig? How about that? I, it really, like, it's such a joyous, happy place. Like, you see people, everybody's there is rooting for a stranger to do well. Wow. Yeah. Which you don't see anywhere. They're always like, oh, I hope that person loses or kick that person off the island or, you know what I mean? It's always stuff like that. Sure, sure, sure. On Price is Right, it's like, yeah, screw CBS. Take all their money. <laughs> <laughs> I only kind of work here is what you're saying. You know, it's such a thrill to come on a show where I can just swear and do dirty jokes because I can't swear on the Price is Right. Not even have it bleeped or anything like that. No, nothing. You want a car? I can't do that. <laughs> They'd be so happy, though. <laughs> Holy <laughs> See what happens with my one car? I can't do that. Um, <laughs> I heard, and I don't know how this is true or how you would know, but that Paul McCartney is a fan. Yes. So I have, I'm friends with this guy named Chris Holmes. Hi, Chris. How you doing? And uh, before COVID, he was Paul McCartney's DJ. So he would open up Wait the show. Wait a second. Wait a second. Paul McCartney has a DJ? That opens up the show for him. Oh, I thought, like, for his weddings and stuff like that. Well, he does, like, <laughs> private... When they're having a party, he does that, too. Sure. But he'll, he travels with Paul McCartney, and they, he plays Beatles remixes that he does mm -hmm. and covers and does a really nice set of, for an hour before the show starts. Sure. He gets everybody in the Beatles mood. And so I went to see him in Toronto, and he goes, oh, I think uh, I can get Paul to come do a meet-and-greet with you and get a picture. I go, that'd be great. So I go down in the basement of the arena, and I'm waiting behind this, in front of this curtain thing to get a picture taken. And Paul McCartney eventually walks out, and he has his hand out. And he goes, hi, Drew. And he shakes my hand, and I thought, oh, Chris told him who I was. That's how Paul McCartney knows For that sure. I'm here. And then he goes, you know, I love Price is Right. He goes, I watch trash TV all the time. It's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> 
Like, you what? Yeah, I'll take it. Like, uh huh? And then he goes, is this, fun? is this as fun as it seems? And he's asking me questions like that. And I was like, this is crazy. And then, so then I'm like bouncing about that. Like I can't even get it out of my head. Then I'm watching, I'm with uh, uh, Amy and we're, we're, we're on the floor seats watching the show. And we have pretty good seats, you know, on the floor. We're watching the show and we're up dancing in front of our little folding chairs and they're doing back in the USSR. Mm-hmm. And the end comes where he's doing the woo-woo-woos, the Beach Boy part. And uh, he goes, ooh, woo, woo, woo. And he looks right at me. And he goes, come on down to the prices, right? Ooh, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> wow. That's, that's not bad. Yeah. And that's how you got there. Price is right is how you got yeah. to Paul McCartney's I started, radar. I, I teared up. I, I couldn't help it. I'm a little teared up just it was like it's, it. It was insane. And then, then I, I got Chris to come with me. We were on uh, Family Feud, and he also watches Family Feud. So... <laughs> So he spent a whole time on our Family Feud introduction wow. saying hi to Paul McCartney. <laughs> we have to take a quick break, uh, but when we come back, uh, we'll talk about uh, Drew's time in the Marines. People, people may not know this about you, I, I did because uh, you know I've been working on your Wikipedia page for years. Sure, but you uh, you were in the Marine Reserve. Yes, there you that's go. there that you are, sure. leatherneck, yeah. devil dog. I had my day. <laughs> there you go. I had my that day. Was, when, uh, when did you join? How old were you? I was like in I was 22 or something. So I was in for six years in the reserves, and I got out in '86. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got out like. A, a few months after I started doing stand-up. So my goal, my, the whole time I was in the reserves, you still have to keep your hair cut short, even though it's once a month. Yeah. So I never really got to grow my hair out ever. And this is the longest I've ever seen your hair. This is the longest it's been in, since I was 18 or something or 20. And um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I always promised myself I'm going to grow my hair down to my butt as soon as I get out of the Marine Corps because <laughs> I can't believe that I always had to keep it short all the time. And so I started doing stand-up, and I, I had my BCGs, my Marine Corps glasses on, and my suit, my buzz cut when I first started doing amateur nights, yep. and it caught on. And then I was like, ah, oh, man, I'm stuck with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, and I want to yeah. talk about Carson here uh, for a minute. Is sure. that I remember, I think it was the first time you went on Carson. Yeah. I watched it, and didn't, didn't you talk about people say, hey, you've got a great look? Oh, yeah. That yeah. was look like my high school reunion picture. Exactly. <laughs> and they would say, where'd you get that look? And you'd say, this is what I look like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to take uh, another quick break. Uh, but when we come back, uh, I want to talk with Drew about his first appearance with Johnny Carson. Stick around. Time you're on the Tonight Show, and that's nice. <laughs> but uh, explain to people what it meant for Johnny to call over uh, a comic, because it's not something that really happens anymore. And there's no one else who actually could make it so meaningful than Johnny. Nobody. Uh, it was like I was in show business the very next day. And um, I, I, I honestly, I tear up when I think about it because it was it was life changing. I, I was a club comic 
uh, in the morning. And that Friday night, I was in show business. And my manager's office, they did nothing but send out tapes to me. And I was getting calls. The next, I was in, working in Chicago, so I had to fly back to Chicago to finish my, my, my week. When I got back to LA, every night that week, I did a set at the improv for agents. And the first Monday night, 28 William Morris agents showed up to see me do stand-up. The head of the lit department, the head of the movie department, the head of the sitcom department, the head of the books department. They were all wanted to be in the Drew Carey business. It was crazy. How would it happen? How would it happen, like, you know, when, when Johnny would call you over? What was the actual mechanics there? You knew nothing before you uh, went out there? I, no, because it took me three... I got picked to do the show on my first audition. I was at the Comedy Magic Club. And when I auditioned, I got picked on my first try. Jim McCauley picked the comics, and he said, oh, you got the show. And p the comic world, my friends were all buzzing, like, I can't believe you got it on the first try, because that never happened, right? Yeah. You got auditioned for McCauley a bunch of times. And um, so I was on this list, and what they would do is if somebody, somebody couldn't make it, a, one of the stars or something, they would call a comic, and they would fill in. So um, I was staying at a friend of mine's house, uh, I was working at the Comedy Magic Club because they saw me do stand-up for the first time and they invited me back to do a gig. So I went back like that November to work a week at the Comedy Magic Club and Bob Saget invited me to come see a taping of Full House. So I'd worked with him on the road. So it was the, it was the Beach Boys episode, the famous Beach Boys episode of Full House. I was at that taping. And uh, it was real exciting because I'd never been to a TV taping and um, I had my suit with me and my, my little shaving kit and stuff. And I, I get to the Comedy Magic Club and the, the MC goes, hey, you okay? He see, greets me at the door. And I go, yeah, I'm fine. What happened? And he goes, oh, uh, I don't want to tell you. And he goes, what, did my mom die? Just tell me. And he goes, Jim McCauley was trying to get a hold of you today to do The Tonight Show, but he couldn't find you, so he got Jeff Cesario to do it instead. Oh. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> wow. And I missed the call. And uh, it took me three. Then I called McCauley on Monday, and I said, hey, I'm sorry I missed the call. Uh, I listened to the message machine when I got back to my friend's house, and it was just a, there was no cell phones back then, and I was just like, it was a disaster, one call after the next. Yes. Like, hey, you got five minutes. And um, I called him on Monday, and he said, yeah, I'm sorry you missed it too, but I'd like to see you again before I approve you for another set. So I was on the list, and now I'm off the list. And it took me three years to get back on the show, including 18 months of driving and just being on the road mm -hmm. after a breakup where I was, like, driving and crying all the time. Sure. Hi, Jackie. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but probably a better comic at the end of that. I was, I was so powerful. Uh, I went, I, I, Macaulay, let me go to the improv. I'll, I'll try to wrap this up really quick. Macaulay, let me go and see him again at the improv. So I said, I'm back in town. Yeah, it was after three years. And uh, in May again, almost ex exactly three years, he came to see me and HBO and Comedians was uh, letting comics uh, audition that night. So it was a lot of strong comics. And I went up on, in front of that packed crowd. And when I got done, they were chanting my name. That's how good I was. Wow. Yeah. That's good. I got the Tonight Show and HBO Young Comedians the same night. It was crazy. Well, Drew, it's lovely to see you. Thank you so Thanks, much for buddy. being here. Thanks. The primetime special celebrating 50 years of The Price is Right airs this Thursday at 9 p.m. on CBS. It's Drew Carey, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to the Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives.